Looking back, it's surprising which experiences end up being the most memorable. My name is Josh Shelton, and my grandfather is a retired minister named Bruce Parrish. After some convincing, he was gracious enough to record part of his life story on a series of cassette tapes. From the time he got arrested in New Orleans to the nightmare of the aspirin vending machines, some of these stories are familiar family legends and others I'd never heard before. Bruce Parrish eventually became a prominent Southern Baptist leader in Louisiana, but his childhood and teenage years were far from promising. His mother died when he was a young child, and he was passed from one household to the next. But it's, it's probably better to let him tell you about all that. Thank you for listening to the Bruce Parrish story. I guess we would say that it began on November the 4th, 1936, in Henderson, Tennessee, a little town out of Jackson, Tennessee. I was born to Robert Edwin Parrish and Tommy Lucille Pearson. I had uh, a brother who was two years older than I am. We didn't live in Henderson very long. My dad worked for a grocery store. We moved uh, to Jackson and on to Humboldt, Tennessee. When I was four years of age, my mother passed away from surgery. Uh, a hysterectomy, uh, and she hemorrhaged and was in a clinic, and she died. My dad didn't know what quite to do. My brother was school age. I was not old enough to be in school, so the problem was trying to find a place for me to be put, so he took me to my mother's sister's house, Louise Duke. She had two children, lived on a farm, and uh, one of the memories I have of being there was that uh, we had tomato sandwiches. She would have a big slice of tomato and put it on a biscuit with mayonnaise on it. And that really was delicious. Uh, I remember a storm came up and she was real fearful of that storm. We got down under the bed and she thought that was a safer place for us to be until the storm passed. Uh, she indicated, as told to me later, that I was just uh, too much. Uh, she really didn't feel like she could take a four-year-old, and uh, my grandmother Pearson already had a daughter she was caring for, Eloise, who was uh, had, uh, a condition. 
Uh, she had taken polio as a child and uh, was in a wheelchair. So it seemed like that um, the last stop was to Memo Parish by father's mother. She lived in the Browns Church community and lived with her one of her sons, Warner, who was a bachelor. And they lived there on the farm, and he farmed the land. So I went to live with Mamma Parish. Um, I have a lot of memories of, uh, of that period of time. They had an outhouse. They didn't have indoor plumbing. They had a well out to the side of the house where the water is drawn. Uh, I remember seeing Mamaw take a chicken and wring its head off. She would then put the chicken in a pot of hot water and begin to pluck the feathers off of it. I remember seeing my uncle chopping wood, which was a regular chore that was necessary for the feeding of the wooden stove for the kitchen and for wood for the heater that was in the dining room. But, um, I remember going out to the barn with Uncle Warner, following him around, going to the garden with my grandmother as she planted seeds in the ground for the garden and as we picked and harvested the vegetables from the garden. I remember following my grandmother to the smokehouse where the meat was hung up and she would take down a piece of ham and slice bacon off of it and then hang it back up in a sack that hung on the, the hook in the smokehouse. Uh, I remember meals at my grandmother's house Seemed like she was in the kitchen most of the time. Uh, I remember going to town on Saturday. It was a big thing. My grandmother would take a pail, put her eggs in it that she had collected for the week. She would put a cloth over that pail of eggs and they had cream from the cows, and we would go to town on Saturday. She would sell the eggs, and they would sell the cream. And what money they got, they would turn around and buy flour and sugar and food that was needed. And um, on those Saturdays uh, during the summer, Uncle Warner would get a block of ice, stop at the ice house, and he would put it on the back bumper. And, of course, some of it would melt as we drove home. We were about seven miles out from town. And I remember on Sunday having iced tea was a highlight because we had ice. Depending on the time of the year, the ice might last two or three days, and it would all be melted. It was put in an ice box. And uh, we would have iced tea, so that was a real treat. One of my favorite observations was my uncle 
Warner. As he would see, sit and eat, he ate sort of slow and methodical, uh, carefully. He would uh, like to butter molasses, and he would uh, take the butter and put it on the cornbread or on the biscuit and put molasses on it. And he would indicate that was such fine eating. I first started a school there where I lived with Mammal Parish and Uncle Warner. Uh, the school was only about a half a mile from their uh, house. and I would walk down the road uh, to a fork in the road and then up a hill and there was a school. And uh, across the street from the school was Brown's Methodist Church, which my grandmother attended, and she took me there to that church. There was a big cemetery behind the church, and during a period of time, Uncle Warner was the caretaker of the cemetery and kept the little church clean was a job that he had. Uh, I wasn't a very good student. I remember one afternoon coming home from school and I'd had a loose tooth. As I came down, I began to sort of run toward home and what loose tooth came loose and I swallowed it. So, I ran on up the road, up into the house, and asked, told my grandmother what had happened, and I was real anxious, having sold, having swallowed that tooth. She turned and said, oh, Bruce, said, that's going to be all right. Nature, nature takes care of that. So. As I learned in life, there are things that nature seems to take care of. I remember there was a time during the war that it was called for blackout and nobody had lights in the house. Uncle Warner would go out and sit in the car and put the radio on and hear the news of what was going on in the war. Gliders have gone overhead, towed by B-47 transport. And I would sit there with him for a while. And more and more and more of these glider-borne... Uh, then get bored, not knowing really what I was being said. Ran on to find something else to do. These boys... I uh, are apparently having uh, a pretty tough time in here on the beaches. It's not very pleasant. I remember during the cold weather, because of burning wood, we had a fireplace in the bedroom that Memo and I slept in. Um, she would heat a big brick that had been padded and had material around it to protect it. But she would set it on the fireplace, and when the brick got real warm, she would put it down in the foot of the bed so that when we called in 
to a big feather bed with lots of quilts on it. We'd put our feet up against that warm brick. It sort of helped to warm us up. And we could fall asleep in that feather bed with those quilts piled high on us. My grandmother was not a real talkative person. I remember on Sunday, we would sit. I would be in the swing, and she'd be in a rocking chair there on the porch, looking out over the land around in front of the house. And occasionally, we would have neighbors come. Family members would come on Sunday, stop by for a visit. That was always an important time to have others come to the house. When I was seven years old, I was advised that my dad had chosen a new wife and that I would be going to live with them. And my grandmother said that, uh, you know, when you go to live with Miss Lily and your dad, you're going to have to do what she tells you to do or she'll send you away. So you be good. You do what Miss Lady tells you to do. So I was thrilled. We were moving into town, and uh, my new stepmother name was Lily Martin Coble. Her first husband had died, and she had two children who were already adults. Uh, boy, Bert, who I believe was 19, and Eloise, who was about 17. So not only did I have a new mama, I had a, a new brother and sister. Um, while I lived at, with my grandmother on the farm, Bob, my brother, had lived with my dad in a rooming house there in Jackson. And in that rooming house, also one of Dad's brothers, Marvis, who was a barber, lived there. So Bob had a lot of freedom in those years, uh, living in the rooming house with his dad and an uncle. And so I think the the guidance and the control that uh, came to be now, as we lived in a new setting with a new grand, new. Uh, stepmother, that Bob was a little more resistant to the guidance and to the instruction that was, was had. Uh, Miss Lily was a, a disciplinarian. She expected you to do what she said. And she actually worked in the church office as a pastor's secretary. And the church was across the street from where we lived on Dedrick. And she could sit in her office with a window open and look out and see uh, what we were doing. We were out of our yard, uh, not where we were supposed to be. But um, I remember that um, if I tried to go down the street, there's a little store just two houses down and across the street. And uh, mother would call out, where are you going? What are you doing? And so I learned that uh, 
down the back of the house, there was an alley. And if I slipped down the alley and up the street, uh, I was out of sight. She couldn't see me. So I decided that was a way that I could get around her watchful eye. Um, my brother-in-law, Billy, was questioning where I got the money that I was going to the store with. And I told him I found it out in the gutter that uh, in the street, by the edge of the street. And he said, show me. So I took him out there and showed him a place. And he said, let me see. You got, you got dimes and nickels and pennies. And you're telling me all of that was just piled up there? Well, when it was under some leaves, somebody else could have seen it. Uh, but he stayed asking me until he got out of me that I'd been taking money out of my mother's purse. That had been the source of where I was getting my money. And um, I learned that was not the pro proper thing to do. Also, in that period of time, there was a one of the Christmases coming up. I heard them talking and decided that they were hiding the gifts in the closet of my mother and dad's bedroom. So I decided to go sneaking to see what was in the closet. So they discovered that I'd been there and there was a discipline for that was that there were some of the gifts that I was to have got, I was not going to be getting. And so that was a lesson that you go, don't go sneaking around trying to find Christmas presents because it's going to cost you. You're not going to be happy when it's discovered that you've been doing that. Uh, I remember one of the sort of strange things that uh, my father was Methodist and my new stepmother was Baptist. And so... On Sunday morning, I would go with my dad down to the Methodist church that was just a few blocks down the street, Lambeth Memorial Methodist Church. And then on Sunday nights, I would go to the Baptist church with my stepmother, the West Jackson Baptist Church. And so this went on for several years with me going to the Methodist church in the morning and the Baptist church Sunday evening. It was when I was 11 years old that I was in vacation Bible school there at the West Jackson Baptist Church and we were learning scripture and I was in the kitchen. Mother was helping me memorize uh, Romans 3.23 for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it was during that uh, time of vacation Bible school that I came under conviction that I was lost and uh, mother took me in to talk with the young student from Union University who was a ministerial student who was working in the church. We sat down and he presented the plan of salvation to me. I accepted Christ as my personal savior. 
And it wasn't too long after that that uh, we began to talk about moving. My dad had gone into business in Humboldt with a man, Mr. Tyler. They had opened a big star supermarket. And so dad had been commuting from Jackson back over to Humboldt. And so we moved then that year from Jackson to Humboldt. Uh, I had been in the seventh grade. I had several subjects that I had difficulty with. And so mother thought that uh, being a smaller town, that maybe the school were not as advanced. And so I would be able to keep up. So I entered the eighth grade. But uh, I wasn't able to keep up, so I got to do the eighth grade over again while we were in Humboldt. But a lot of things uh, happened to me uh, at that point in time. I got a paper route, would go down to City Hall and wait for the papers to come and roll my papers and go throw the papers on my paper route, collecting the money for the paper route and for the papers, and then I would have to send the money to uh, the newspaper company. But I remember uh, I also discovered pinball machines around that time, and I put an awful lot of nickels in pinball machines. And when I did that, when it came time to pay my paper bill, I sometimes didn't have enough money. And I'd go to my dad with my plight and saying that there was customers I hadn't been able to collect from and I couldn't catch him at home. And so he would advance me what I needed to pay my paper bill and then I'd pay him back. And then a few months later, I'd get behind again and he would pay, loan me the money and I would pay him back. One day I was uh, riding my bike and I threw my paper. It sort of hit the edge of the porch and with such force it went up and broke a big picture window. I turned and went back to the lady's house, apologized. And she was, of course, upset. And I told her who my dad was to call him and he would, he would take care of it. So she called him and he arranged to have the window replaced and collected from me for that broken window. But my dad was always there when I needed money to help me out. Um, that was a thing that I learned to depend on. He would, he would help me. I remember uh, during that time in Humboldt, one of the Near Thanksgiving one year, I left on my paper route and just short sleeves, then it started snowing before I got back home. <laughs>